welcome back to Two Real Witches. Hello and blessed be, I'm Oak. And I'm Danny, and we're a couple of practicing witches seeking initiation into a Gardnerian tradition of Wicca. Every full moon and new moon, we're discussing things we're learning and researching, we're sharing magical discourse, and hold space for other witches to do the same. We're two real witches, shooting the shit and nerding out on magical topics. <laughs> so if you're into the occult, the esoteric, or the otherworldly, come hang out with us in the liminal space of sound. In today's episode, Oak will be skimming the surface of astrology with her Astro one-on-one two-part course slash conversation. Um, we're discussing the primary variables of modern astrology and the uses of astrology. So zip up your space suits and let's go universe divining. I just love your little intros. They just <laughs> warm my heart. That was so cute, Danny. I can, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. So in today's episode, um, we're going to be covering the first two elements of the topic, um, the air element and the fire aspects of them. Uh, so with the air, we're going to go over some um, resources and I'm going to outline the many variables of astrology. I will actually leave a larger resource uh, book list in the second part of, of the conversation around astrology uh, because the variables will take up a big chunk of conversation, because there are a lot of them, uh, spoiler alert. And then in the fire aspects, I'll talk a little bit about the different uses of astrology and how to find an astrologer for a reading, if you've never done that, and maybe some things to expect. So I'm so, very excited to I jump in. <laughs> pumped. Are I you? I'm so excited. I have like 5,000 questions, which I'm going to wait and see if they all get answered um, and contain myself, but I'm so pumped. I'm very excited about your questions. Um, I am excited to say I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the deeper you get into astrology, the more questions you have, uh, not the more answers. So, right, right. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get too far in, what you up to? Oh, what's going on with you? Tell me, what are you learning? Uh, what kind of classes, workshops, books do you have going on right now? Yeah, so air updates. Well, I am just continuing to nerd out about astrology and fill in all of the little bitty gaps as I uh, finish my astrology deep dive and research paper for our outer court. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to take on nothing new, uh, but rather just getting into being able to articulate even the minutia of some of these topics has been like a great exercise for me and feels like I'm doing a final study for the topic of 101. Um, so I'm, yeah, nothing more, not don't learn about anything else. Just tying up loose ends. That's yeah. that's the focus right now. I'll I'll tell you tell you I'm learning about boundaries is what I'm learning about. <laughs> Love that for you. Boundaries and consistency. Some things after my heart. You know. What I yes. Mean? <laughs> How about you? What do you What are you um, learning up to workshops book? I, I I mean I assume that you're kind of in the same boat as me, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I am. I am setting a limit to myself that I'm turning in my paper tonight. Yeah, um, because I'm at that point that it just is what it is. And any more tinkering is just going to F it up. So I just need to let be just, just release it from my grasp, yeah. post it, be done with it. Um, so just working on finishing that up and, and being happy with it. I think I'm just putting a lot of pressure on myself because the topic 
I just want to do the topic justice. Like if that's the first time someone's reading about it, I want to cover it succinctly and really give them a good picture of it. And so I am constantly like fighting over like sentence structure and am I including enough? Should I not include that? Like, yeah. And I think just to, just to clarify, because maybe, I don't know, maybe people didn't hear us connect about this in previous episodes, but as part of our outer court experience, which is a training group that prepares people for potential initiation into the Gardnerian tradition. I'm saying Gardnerian. Uh, And what we do is we do a lot of uh, workshops and classes and basic information. And part of our traditions, Outer Court, has us do these types of deep dives in different topics, um, ones that have maybe not yet been dove into by the other people in outer courts. And so we're kind of creating this um, space of uh, referenceable information about different topics. And so it's really cool because, um, you know, one of our other outer court uh, mates wrote about mycology. I'm writing about astrology. Danny's writing about folk traditions in Appalachia. Um, so we have a, a big array of topics that we can learn from each other. Um, so these papers are reflective of what we've learned, but also are going to serve as resources for other people that come into our coven and our tradition. Yeah, super valuable. And I also know that this could be like someone's first exposure or impression of us. Then there's that like added layer of like, this was the first thing anyone ever read or knew about me. Because it's a good reflection of me, you know? And so that's the other I'm, – I'm just putting too much pressure on myself. And I just need to turn yeah. the damn thing in. Just turn the damn thing in. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's great. Um, and then also just updates. If you're keeping up with Danny's book countdown. <laughs> um, yes. Um, I am on 20. Um, and I – I'm reading the book that I actually picked up at Summer Magic Fest. So I'm reading Poison Path Herbal um, by Kobe Michael. And I am loving it. I was hoping that I would have it finished by now so I could really give you guys like a good book review of it. Um, I'm loving it. I would not say it's a beginner book in that I have had to like Google a lot of things uh, that I was putting together. But um, they're doing a really great job of like connecting thoughts I haven't connected before so you would love like there's astrology pieces in in there, like yeah. there are whole chapters dedicated to Mercury and Venus and um, Saturn, like whole chapters. And mm-hmm. I, so it's 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 really good, but um, it's definitely not for someone who like just wants a quick fun read. Uh, you're gonna be googling stuff, so yeah, really yeah. Good. Cool. All right. Well, let's talk uh, a little bit about some of the things that we're up to, some of our fire actions. As I'd like to say, what irons do you have in the fire, Danny? So again, trying not to add more, just trying to get through. Um, so I finished up the mango wine for last Sabbath. Now I'm gonna, getting ready to start an apricot wine for yes. Lamas. Very excited about that. I'm really excited about the mango one. I just, I love mangoes. So make a wine. It's got to be delicious. There's just no way it couldn't be, you know? And I love stone fruit. So apricots, very exciting. Yes. Yeah. It's all going to be, next year is going to be so delicious. (laughs) Next year is going to be so good. Um, And then I am stalling out a little bit on oil ideas. So, you know, if, if something comes to mind, 
or if anyone out there and the others listening just well we could potentially use astrological inspirations to identify herbs that would be appropriate for the season that could be a way of thinking about it oh my gosh send me all your thoughts and ideas yeah because i i'm doing that thing where i'm like well everything went into the last one so i want (laughs) to refine this one and now i'm like well nothing goes into this one so yeah so tell me what you're thinking because i've got a whole lot of stuff and just don't know how to put it together in an oil. Yeah. I'll have to bring one. some of the essential oils that I have too. Cause I never go through essential oils fast enough. Um, so maybe you could get some of that. Um, okay. So my, yeah. Uh, what am I doing? Um, well, I'm just working a lot. Uh, update Mars is entering Virgo, I think like tomorrow or sometime soon or already has. Um, and I am feeling that vibe. So Lots of organization, um, change management. Um, I, I'm doing a, just a ton of like presentations and creating trainings and creating documents and resources for work. Uh, so my work schedule has changed drastically and I'm probably working, I don't know, 25% more hours than I had been. So in response to that, uh, I am trying to focus on planning vacation uh, so I can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Yeah. And I think just to really focusing on all of my time management skills and like time blocking things and making sure that if I say yes to something, I have already secured a time for when I would be able to do that and, you know, boundaries uh, galore. Um, But yeah, the scheduling of vacation is what I'm very excited about. Um, Yeah. That's my, my fire is trying to just not turn into a forest fire. That's, that's what I'm yeah. doing. Staying alive. Staying alive. <laughs> All, All right. If we transition into water, feelings, relationships, Oak, what is, what is going on in your life right now that I don't I, know about? Yeah. Well, I am, as I said, scheduling everything and just as part of that, just trying to not fixate on the future and all the things that I have coming up, but rather just stay present because there's a lot of cool things happening. And um, the other thing is I'm just, I don't know, I'm feeling tons of gratitude for all of the people that are in my life. Um, I feel very blessed and uh, don't really know. I'm like tracing back. I'm like, oh my gosh, Danny is the most amazing person. And I would have never met them if it hadn't been for this outer court. And could you imagine us not knowing each other? No, how sad would our existence be right now? What would we be doing right now? If we wouldn't be recording a podcast. What would you be doing? No, I uh, napping. I mean, maybe, but still working. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I would. Um, so yeah, so I'm just feeling, you know, tons of gratitude for all of my relationships and my friends, and um, feeling very supported by all of them. That's that's where I'm at with my water updates. How about you? How are you feeling? sweet um i have almost reached um fuck it mode like that's where i'm at (laughs) right now um so right now i'm kind of an anxious mess you know i've talked about this i'm a planner and so when i don't know the plan or like i i can't see what's on the other end of this i feel anxiety immediate anxiety um so there's just a number of like looming things that like don't have confirmed dates times activities Mm. um and that is making me feel a little chaotic. Like even like work stuff, there are things that are happening in the next two weeks that we don't have confirmed dates for. And I'm like, 
So we're just going to show up and do the thing. Is that what's going to happen? So that's kind of where my brain is, is I'm just entering the get through it phase where I'm just like, all right, we're just going to show up and do the thing. We're just yeah. going to show up and do the thing. I think, I think fuck it suits you just fine. <laughs> you know? I, yeah. I'm going to show up and, and be great. I'm just yeah. going to show up and be great. And you're just going to get whatever I come in with because I have no preparation. Yeah. And I thrive on that. I assume that 70% of you is still probably 110% of other people's efforts. So, oh, you are you so should find you should slip into fuck it mode and feel good <laughs> about it. What about um, like earth updates? So, any, I mean, obviously, you have some challenges around um, seeing the clear writing on the wall of where things are going. Um, but yeah, what about purchases? Are you treating yourself to anything? Well, so a few episodes ago, I told you guys that. After Summer Magic Fest, I decided I really enjoyed Stacey Williams Ng's presentation um, and then looked into some of her Oracle decks. I've never really been an Oracle girly. And so I purchased that one because she had some really great points around like not using forms of divination for um, ancestral reading, not using forms that they would not be familiar with or like um, iconology iconography that they would not recognize because what messages are they actually giving you then? Um, so I purchased it and it just finally arrived. And so I cleansed it last night and I went ahead and did like my first reading and it made me feel so good about like everything that's going on because so I kind of wanted to know like, what are their thoughts about where I am spiritually? Like, how are they kind of feeling about what's going on? Um, and essentially I got, like the answers I got, I just did a three card pull. Um, where one of them is like, uh, it's like a praying baby angel headstone. Um, and it's about like the loss of innocence or like essentially the death of a child. Right. Um, but it's not about the actual death of a child. It's just that feeling. And mm-hmm. so I got it reversed. And so I took that to mean like, I know that you think that we are going to think that this is not the right path because it's not, you know, in line with sanity and all those things. But like, we don't see it that way. Like we don't feel that way about it. Um, and then the other ones were about like sense of community and belong. Like it was essentially like, Oh, we get what you're doing. We see where you're going. We think it's fine. You do Aww. you. And I That's felt nice. really good about that. So now it's all up there on my altar, just hanging out. Oh, I see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Awesome. I, <clears throat> I just had, <laughs> I have curbed my purchasing quite a bit. I just want everybody to know it sound, doesn't sound like it, but I have, I swear. <clears throat> but I have the coolest Therable. I had to look this word up because I've never uh-huh. called it that before. Okay. Well, it's specific. It's it's specific. You know, so most people when burning the charcoal disc to put loose incense and in, would use a. Like a sensor. A cauldron. Right. So that's a, the general go-to. And then a sensor <clears throat> could be a cauldron, right? So that's vice versa. But a therable very specifically is one that's designed to be swung. Oh, okay. I'll just show it to you. Yeah. Do you want to see it? I, I'll grab it right now. Well, I mean, I saw versions of it on Google, but okay. I, okay. I, did, I saw this word and I was like, well, I don't know what that is. Okay. Does she misspell thimble? What is <laughs> Oh, I'm glad I could bring a new word. That's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the um, you know, me and my feelings around gold things. I, I don't like gold. I'm okay with brass. Like, I'm okay with brass in my ritual room. But I only have chrome, silver, 
in the rest of my house. So I was able to find a silver Therable, which I'm very excited about, that doesn't have any Catholic crosses on it. Um, which I is, was going to say, as soon as I saw it, I was like, this looks like a Catholic sensor. Yeah. And I was- it is very much that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And then do you have something else? Do you have something else in your, your oh, room? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, I, I ordered some new shelves so that I can do some rework and add some additional um, countertop space for uh, my expanding, ever-expanding um, altar needs, um, making room for, you know, maybe some new gods to come into our lives. So, yeah. I, I love your like commitment to creating like a space or meanwhile, I'm just being like a chaotic, like swamp witch. And I'm just like, <laughs> and in my kitchen here are all of my spices lined on the wall. Oh, and that's here great. are. That's great. That's like, amazing. I create a space and I'm like, it's wherever I am. So if I'm in the game yeah. room, this is now a magic room. No, that's, that's what's up. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the altar is where the heart is. Right. So, um, I just happen to be able to have the space. So I take advantage of it and yeah. Yeah. So, so shelves, um, cool. All right. Well, thanks for catching up and sharing where you're at. I literally, this was actually us catching up. It's not like we caught it beforehand. (laughs) Like this is maybe the longest we haven't like seen each other in person in a bit. Like it was your minute. birthday. Mm-hmm. How was your birthday? Uh, I mean, it was great. You know, it was. Yeah, I scheduled doctor's appointments all day, so mm. that tells you how old I'm getting. Uh, to be fair, they weren't just for me; they were also for the kids. So it's totally legit. Um, yeah, it was chaosity, but it was great. That is like the most adult birthday ever. You know, everybody got their glasses. <laughs> I got new contacts. <laughs> that <laughs> that's meaningful. Yeah, yeah, being able to see things clearly. That's a great All gift. Our dental yourself. needs taken care of. I mean, I'm just saying <laughs> into the new the new cycle of the year, feeling very yeah. caught up on all of our healthcare needs, you know. That's all the important stuff. Awesome. All right. Well, are y'all ready? To blast off to outer space. Just kidding. That's cheesy. It's gonna be like astrology, astronomy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very like connected. Yes. Very, very connected. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So yeah, we have, uh, as we talked about it in the beginning, we're going to go over the air topics and we're going to go over the fire aspects of this topic. Um, so when I say the air topics, what we mean is the logical aspects. Uh, so this is maybe just um, the information heavy section, and it is going to take up the majority of time today. Um, I'm going to try to be as clear around the different topics as possible, um, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. So, Danny, you want to kind of go through some of the things that we're going to talk about, and then I would be really interested in knowing, just because this is all just selfishly for us, um, which of these topics that are in the air... Um, the air section here, uh, which of those topics do you feel most confident in understanding and which do you feel least confident? Cause I'll use that to inform our, our time. Ooh. Okay. So let's see, we've got Zodiac here. I feel pretty, pretty good about that. Houses. I, I feel good about placement, but as far as like understanding what they all mean, I know that there are sectors and I know they have meanings. I just don't do well with like rote memorization. So mm-hmm. not so hot on those. 
planets is in parentheses and that is making me intimidated. <laughs> I don't because <laughs> I'm like, do I know the planets? Now I'm not sure. It's in parentheses. And then placements is something I, I think I'm a little confused about because when I look at a chart, it's not like other forms of divination where you're like, you ask a question and then you do the thing and then that's your answer. Like if you're reading right. a natal chart, it's like, bam, here's everything. Where do you start? Where do we, where are we going? I just, yeah, that it, so that's where I'm like, am I, am I looking at like zodiacs? Am I looking at planets? Am I looking at houses? Like, where am I starting first is the method to the madness for me. And then as far as aspects, I don't even know what that means. So perfect. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it's actually an order of your confidence. Yeah. Is that true? Look at you. Look at you just knowing you're like, this might be good, but this stuff right here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly too, right? Like the, that was in order of my confidence levels of these topics as well prior to diving into them. So I think it's just the logical way that we would be able to understand the information as the popularity of these things are also like people talk about the Zodiac all day, but people don't necessarily talk about the aspects. Um, so I would say those are also, you know, how popular they are, but yeah. So we're gonna get into the Zodiac. What do I mean about the Zodiac? What is a Zodiac? So the Zodiac is the big chart. If you are looking at it, it is all of the constellations that are divided and you would hear the Zodiac referred to by sign. And really what you could think of is zodiacal sign, right? Because a sign is a constellation in the sky that we can see from our geocentric vantage point. Ooh, those were some big, (laughs) expensive words. Okay. So what do I mean by that? So geocentric means like from the position of earth is how we interpret astrology. Mm -hmm. Astrology predates the understanding of a solar system revolving around the sun, which is heliocentric, right? So we still talk about and are able to use the information from and the trends and um, correlations that the ancients were working on uh, because we still are on earth (laughs) and uh, see the sky, see the heavens in the same way that our ancestors saw it because we are still on earth. However, if we moved and lived on Mars, well, that would be much different zodiacal uh, interpretations. And when the humans go to Mars, we're going to have to do this whole damn thing. The whole damn thing. That's right. Maybe not everything, but the Zodiac would change drastically because the Zodiac is geocentric. Does that make sense? We get there. Yeah. Would earth then have its own meaning? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And she's a she, just in case you're wondering. Um, Okay. So let's talk about. Is she the only one that's not a a boy? Uh, Venus is also a she. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And but otherwise, and and moons are often referred to as she's, she. and there's all kinds of asteroids that are she's, but we won't get into that because they weren't like this is already hard enough. They were like, you know what? Let's add yeah. other pieces of that's right, that's mass right in there. All right, okay. So zodiac equals the big pie. So if you're looking at a natal chart, if you're looking at even a chart of today's placements, you will see this circular. 
um, pie-like model with a lot of little dots. The dots are different stars that when you connect the dots in a certain way, you create these constellations. And the constellations have myth around them and were created with this kind of myth. So I'm Sagittarius, right? So my constellation of my sun sign is the archer. And if you looked at the constellation of the archer, you would see it looks like an archer. So that's it. It's the stars connecting to make constellations and the different constellations in their position make up the zodiac. So there's 12 of them, you know, one for each sign. However, each sign has 30 degrees. So there's 360 in total, right? Which aligns because it's a circle. That makes sense. And it's the reason when you hear someone say, I have a placement of, let's say, Mars and Aquarius, they will say, I have Mars at 12 degrees of Aquarius. What? Yeah. Okay. Wait, what? (laughs) mm -hmm. That's good, right? So when we say degrees, we mean degrees, like at what place in that constellation, because constellation's big, right? Mm -hmm. At what place is Mars or is your um, Mercury, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about placements, um, we're talking about, or degrees rather, we're talking about where is a certain planet, luminary, asteroid in the sign. And so it could be at 12 degrees, it could be at 24 degrees, or it could be at 30 degrees. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I think I'm following. And then what Mm -hmm. (laughs) is it, is it clockwise? Like when you say 30, I'm going to my right. Oh, that's a good question. I I don't fucking know, man. Honestly, that's good. We'll put that in the answer to the question. I love that. Because then I was like, wait a second, which one is which? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get back to you. Let's add those. Love that. Um, But I will say what I do know is that there are different ways to divide the constellations and depending on different placements on earth, uh, you would see things differently. So there are systems. This is like where you get into the crazy complexities. When you hear something like side rail or tropical system, of zodiac that's how they're just dividing the um the zodiac differently there's a lot of other variations we're not going to get into that because we're staying surface level Um, but there's different ways to divide the constellations depending on where you are on the earth where you're looking at the heavens Um, so i think that the probably the thing to understand about the zodiac is that they are just star placements right they have nothing to do with the planets necessarily However, there are uh, rulers, quote unquote, of each sign, right? Mm -hmm. So I am, again, Sagittarius, sun sign. The ruler of Sagittarius is Jupiter. Does it mean that my Jupiter is placed in the Sagittarius sign? No, right? But they have this kind of relationship. They also have a relationship with an element, element being one of the four elements, right? Air, earth fire, water. So as a Sagittarius, I have a planetary ruler of Jupiter and I am a fire sign. Good so far? Yeah. No, totally. You are your sun cancer. I didn't prep any of this. This is just off the cuff. This is how good I am. Are you ready? So you're cancer, right? Mm -hmm. That's where your sun is. When you were born, the sun was in the constellation of cancer. That's why your sun sign cancer. Bam. 
I don't know what degree. I don't know what degree it was. I don't know where in that constellation. I don't either. I have four astrology apps. I could pull one of them up. (laughs) Okay. But um, the ruler of cancer is not the sun. It's the moon. Moon. Right? And it's the only sign that's connected with the moon. Mm -hmm. But there are not 12 planets. So some planets share signs. Yes. If that makes sense. Because math. Okay. Great. Yes. All right. So we've gone through the fact that astrology is geocentric. It is the Zodiac refers to the entire collective um, 12 constellations. Each constellation, it can be called a sign. There are different degrees in that sign. There are up to 30, which makes up the 360 of the Zodiac. And there are lots of different ways to divide that side rail tropical but there are also these other associations like planetary rulers, elements. And there are also this other thing, which is called a modality or a triplicity. And this refers to the modality of each sign. Uh, there's three different modalities that describe each sign and they repeat themselves, right? So there's cardinal, fixed, immutable. And those repeat four times for 12 signs, right? So there are four cardinal signs. There are four fixed signs and there are four mutable signs. Have you heard this cardinal fixed mutable term before? I I read an entire astrology book and I think I absorbed approximately 10% of all of the knowledge in there. So I know those, those terms, but I don't think that I like cemented their meaning, I guess, in my Mm -hmm. brain. And really what this is, the modality describes the sign as it relates to the season. Okay. So I have this chart. We're going to put all these little cute charts in our show notes because I think they're fucking helpful. I mean, I had to make these up. I haven't been able to find charts that contain all of this data in one place. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they exist, but yeah, it was Look at you a doing exercise. a novel thing. I love I that. Know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure it's been done before. You know, no, no new things in this one. All right, so let's start with the idea that there is an order, and this does go in an order around the circle, starting with Aries, ending with Pisces. Right. So the first sign is Aries, and this begins. If you can see, the sun dates would be in March. So when the sun mm-hmm. is in the sign of Aries, we consider that Aries season, right? And if you notice that March, April, and May, those are springtime. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so these are, um, we're going to see, this is the modality within springtime. We have the starting um, with Aries, we have the cardinal sign of Aries. Taurus is the fixed sign of spring, cardinal sign of spring is Aries. The mutable sign of spring is Gemini. Huh? So what is the definition? Like what cardinal So glad you asked. Thank you. Thank you for asking. (laughs) So I just want to show you the pattern here though, that it goes in order and it repeats cardinal fixed mutable, cardinal fixed mutable, right? And it repeats four times. And the reason it repeats four times is because it's dividing each season's signs Mm -hmm. into three modalities. The math is just mathing so good right it's, now. It's just like threes and fours and twelves. Yeah. Okay. That divides so nicely into 12. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. These okay. people had nothing, you know, they didn't have TV. They were thinking about these things. <laughs> they, they made this 
makes sense. Okay, so what does each modality mean? Well, modality refers to the qualities that are associated with that sign. So a cardinal sign is the first of the season. They're often born leaders, they initiate things, they have this kind of energy around like jumping in and pushing things forward. They're the movers and shakers, like they don't just sit around waiting for things to happen to them, right? They are the initiators. So that's cardinal. And that's the first part of the season. So in the spring season, Aries is the cardinal sign of spring. Moving on, Taurus being the fixed sign of spring. Fixed means this is fully in the middle of the season, meaning like this is when that seasonal energy is fully expressed. And so because it's fully representative of the season, it is thought to be the upholder or defends positions. It kind of protects um, and preserves traditions. It is the least welcome of change, the fixed mindset, if you will. And um, they often will defend, you know, situations and responsibilities and goals, right? So they're very connected to that. So the fixed sign of Taurus, Taurus folks are, I mean, that's very much how Taurus qualities are described is they are uh, maybe not super flexible and they do actually enjoy some tradition. Sounds very boomer-esque. That's what that I, my dad is a Taurus. My boss is a Taurus. <laughs> it's, I have nothing but Tauruses around me. Um, so I'm just here <laughs> to shake up their world. <laughs> Um, okay. And then mutable, um, mutable signs. This is the end of the season, right? These are the people that are most adaptable. They can shift into many different forms. They can take on personas, um, very, very flexible. And for spring, Gemini is the mutable sign. Well, that makes sense, right? A lot of people think of Gemini's as being able to hold multiple truths that, yes, yeah, that like, conflict with one another, they can hold multiple truths in their mind at once because they are adaptable thinkers. You love that? Gemini and I can never keep up with, like, I feel like she's arguing with herself. Yeah. Do you want my opinion? (laughs) Yeah. You didn't even have to come to the argument. She's got it. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, going through, of course, we have like the next after spring would be summer. So we have Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Cancer, Cardinal, Leo, Fixed, Virgo, Mutable. And then we have fall and then we have winter, right? So I'm Sagittarius sun. So I am a mutable sign of fall. What? But it's the winter time. Ah, it's not the winter time in Florida. This actually aligns right. perfectly. <laughs> so uh, yeah. All right. Good on the modalities. Does that make sense? So it's just yes. like another way of describing the energy of the different signs and it's slicing them up into seasons and three parts of the season. Nobody ever said that shit to me. It took me so long to understand that. I read a whole chapter about it and still was like, I don't, how do mm-hmm. I, how do I know who's a cardinal? Are, are they red? <laughs> what does that mean? I, I, don't know. I thought they were a bull. Why are they a cardinal also? Yeah. <laughs> Some totally. of us are also birds and I don't, but not necessarily <laughs> the air signs. I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. So I made this little chart here. Again, we'll link this in the notes of the signs Next to that is the constellations that just identifies that your constellation is the crab constellation um, because you're cancer. And then we also, I've listed the elements that are associated with those, the modalities, the modern ruler, meaning the modern um, planetary ruler. There are repeats, for instance, Gemini, the ruler of Gemini is Mercury. And it also is the, uh, Mercury is also the ruler of 
Virgo, right? And then I put the sun dates that are associated when we say it's Aries season, we're referring to when the sun is in the constellation of Aries. Love it. And then um, tell me your thoughts on cusp. I know you have very... Yeah, they're just not real. Yeah, because there's no like, (laughs) there's no uh, 0.05 degree of something, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's one degree and before that there was 30 and before that there was 29. So if you're born on a day, the only reason that cusps were invented were for the purposes of publishing horoscopes and papers in like the 1920s. Oh, yeah. I have a whole thing that I could talk about and share. And I'll go into that in the um, water section when we talk about the history of astrology and how, like how the fuck we ended up with like super popular sun signs when that's maybe the least um, accurate uh, for people's personalities. Right. But but it's less accurate than like your rising sign. Right. Um, But yeah, great question. Love it. Cusps aren't real because placements are in degrees and there's clearly a degree that a placement is and their whole degrees yeah yeah no that makes a lot degrees. of sense to me okay yeah. all right awesome good all right so we went through zodiac <laughs> <laughs> one down we went through one thing let's go through another 20 okay so the next thing that i would say would make sense um in understanding and approaching these topics would be the house systems that actually seems somewhat advanced and the reason that i connected the house systems with the zodiac is because it's easy to visualize the house systems in um, relationship with the house systems and the zodiacs, right? Zodiac and house systems kind of go together in that they lay on top of each other. So if the way I describe it, here's my kind of shitty analogy, but if the constellations are dividing into different signs, they could be the toppings on the pizza. All right. Are you with me? Okay, okay, so we have 12 different little areas that have 12 different little toppings, right? Love it. So let's say this little pile over here of pepperonis that makes up a crab, that is cancer. And then we have like maybe a little um, sausage pile over here. That's not a gross, but <laughs> a little topping, a centric pile over here. Uh, and maybe that makes up the sea goat. And so that's Capricorn, right? And so on and so forth. Of course, we would have to say anchovies for Pisces. Um, this is a pun. This is an astral. How do I get pineapples? I want pineapples on mine. Okay. Just, I think that's, there. I think that that gives a really strong Gemini energy to me because so many people are anti um, pineapple and Gemini's be like, well, pineapple's a beautiful fruit and some people like it and some people don't. However, if people like it, then, you know, you could see. Savory and sweet, like those things are really popular elsewhere. Why wouldn't we do it on pizza? (laughs) That's right. That's right. Okay. So the different toppings of this pizza, let's call those the constellations. They're in like little groups. And then the way that you come in and you slice the pizza, that is the house systems. And so they don't always necessarily fall in the zodiac in certain house systems they do not i happen to use whole sign system of Mm -hmm. houses and um for me they all align and for most beginners the whole sign system is -hmm. the easiest system to reference because we don't get this complication of the first house landing between two signs yeah yeah Uh, Okay. Yeah. So the, you know, there's lots of different house systems. um, And 
The biggest difference is how the houses, not really how they're um, interpreted, the interpretation of the house systems and the meaning of each house does kind of stays the same, but instead it's like where they have cut the pie. In some uh, some systems, they would cut right through that pile of pepperoni and it would be in, you know, a first house pepperoni and have second house pepperoni. Although, you know, maybe on the other side of pepperoni, the, the pineapple got in there too. Right. And so it makes mm-hmm. it somewhat um, more nuanced. And sometimes people think it's more accurate, um, but it is more complicated. And going through and comparing different house systems literally could be like a whole other episode. But I will say that most astrologers agree that the whole sign house system is totally fine for a basic understanding. And these systems don't contrast one another in a lot of ways. Uh, sometimes house systems can be actually combined to further interpret which is like mind blown. However, it did make me feel better about the fact that there are multiple house systems. Yeah. Because I didn't learn about this until like maybe six months into me like, okay, I'm going to learn astrology. And then I was like, great. Everybody agrees on what planets mean. Yep. Signs are all the same. Nobody's kind of mean different ways of interpreting it, but it's not really like, nope, that's dumb. This is wildly different. Yeah. Yeah. The house systems wildly contrast. So you could have your first house placement in Capricorn in one uh, system, and it could be literally first house in a completely different space in another system. This created some dissonance in my mind. <laughs> I was yeah. like, wait, so then, so then none of it matters. True, yeah. Right. Yeah. If it's, if, if it's not true, then, then how do, how can I trust that what I'm doing is right? And the, again, the thing that really made me feel good about it is this idea that sometimes house systems can be layered on top of each other for additional understanding. And again, like laying more, Oracle cards on tarot cards to like dig into yeah, them a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, so the house systems themselves um, are really about separating the 360 chart into different areas, right? We could say, Cancer people have uh, spirit, like deep spiritual connections, but they also have um, this strong connection with relationships. Relationships define a lot of their lives. Um, but that isn't necessarily when we talk about the house systems. The first house in Cancer has a different meaning because the first house system is going to not refer to a certain um, planet, but instead it's referring to this area of your life being the house of self. That would be one way to say first house system. So if you um, think about the interpretation of first house system, it would be uh, about yourself, about how you make first impressions, your general attitude and reflection on life, how you approach life. It's, it's the house of self. So if you have cancer in the first house, and if you have a cancer son in the first house, then you're very self-actualized because you have the sun, which is the planet of self, Mm-hmm. in the house of self. Uh, but the idea of cancer adds that narrative as well. Okay. I think we're doing good. We're doing good. All right. So there's so, di- <laughs> I mean, I'm not even going to go into all the different house systems. Um, some popular ones are this whole sign or people sometimes call it house sign systems. Others include equal um, uh, house or, or another version of this is uh, Coke. There's like lots of different versions of house systems that we won't get into today. Uh, but don't be um, alarmed when you recognize that house systems can contrast each other. 
<laughs> it's okay. It all still works. It's still, not, you don't have to throw it all out. It's still okay to believe in it. So with this layer of house systems in the constellation, you will never have an empty house because there's a lot of stars in each house. Just because there is not a planet, luminary, or asteroid in that planet doesn't mean that that house doesn't have all of these beautiful stars that make up the constellation, right? So even in back to our first house cancer placement, maybe you didn't have anything. Like the sun wasn't there, the moon wasn't there, there was no planets there, nothing. Mm -hmm. You would still have the constellation of cancer in that first house. So there's no empty houses. Oh, okay. Yeah, because when I look at my natal chart, there's somewhere... To me, it looks like there's nothing there. Right, okay. right. And, and there, there isn't any transiting planets or luminaries or asteroids, potentially. But there still is this constellation that's connected with this topic of houses, the house. Right. Got and it. that's why okay. people will say um, it means, obviously, a little bit more and brings more attention when there is a house um, with a constellation with a planet inside of it right? That's going to um, add more to the narrative. And if you had a lot of these planetary bodies in a constellation in a house, then that would mean even more, uh, right? Because you have mm -hmm. this high concentration of energy Something happening. Yeah, yeah, it's happening here. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So the house systems help us create even further understanding of the Zodiac by creating these kind of topics of areas. There are 12 houses, just like there are 12 signs. Is that confusing? Yes. Mm -hmm. Or yep. just, just nice and full. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that's why I was confused looking at a natal chart is because I assumed that those 12 things, the first time I saw them were the 12 houses. And then I see these symbols in there and I'm like, okay, so how do, how do these things fall? But it's not, it's, it's the Zodiac and then the houses just kind of fit into that. Yeah. And so with this system of whole sign that I'm using, mm -hmm. those two um, separations of constellations and houses are the same. Right. They're but in some systems, the constellations would stay where they are and maybe the house system would shift differently. Just a little bit. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think we're doing pretty good. There is a, I could go through and describe every single like modern um, title of house systems, but I really don't like when podcasts go into reference material and like list out 12 of something <laughs> like can't I remember it. That. I yep. can't remember it. I'm so well, what's sorry. The, I mean, yeah, like just give me a chart. So I'm just going to give people a chart. What I'm trying to explain here is the variables of what is a Zodiac? What does it mean? What's the variables? How do people think about it? All right, let's go to the house system. How does that work? Um, what does it mean? And then you can look up the individual meanings of individual houses in this chart. Uh, that will provide each house system does not have a direct planetary ruler. However, sometimes we can think of each of these houses as having an archetype. Uh, so like Aries in the first house is reflecting very similar energy, right? Aries yeah. is very like self um, aware, self-starting um, and the beginning of things. And that is all like first house energy, right? Whereas something like Sagittarius ninth house, this, uh, um, that house title is the house of purpose. And this is about tr travel, higher education, learning, ethics, morals. Those are all very um, Sagittarian vibes. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you could then go another level and say, well, what is the ruler? What is the planetary ruler of Sagittarius? Well, it's Jupiter. So now we have this connection of ninth house, Sagittarius, Jupiter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. Yes. And I love okay. these charts. I love, just give me, give me a reference guide. <laughs> yes. That's what I want. Yeah. For me, what charts do is they um, help me make connections between things mm -hmm. and help me easily contrast ideas. Um, so I'm, I'm with you. I love it. Love a chart. All right. We went through Zodiac. We went through house. Now we're getting to planets. And why were, why did I give little air quotes to planets? Well, in astrology, um, there are asteroids or dwarf planets, which are just called planets. Um, the sun is not a planet and sometimes it's called a planet, right? Um, in astrology, like in, uh, if you get deeper into astrology, they call those luminaries. They call the sun and the moon luminaries, right? Love it. And then we have the other planets. Wait, I thought Pluto wasn't a planet, right? But let's just call them planets because there's enough complexity <laughs> in astrology. You don't to have to... Yeah. yeah. And there's a whole, and again, I, in the water section, when I get into histories, I will talk about asteroids and, um, this adds additional complexity because is Pluto an asteroid? Is it a dwarf planet? How do we compare? Like there are some asteroids that have been pulled into a cycle that rotate just like planets do. And they're large mm -hmm. and you can see them. So why would we not also call that a planet? We don't because we already made up all the planets. We said that's enough. No, thank you. We said that's enough. We're, the we're third graders can't learn this. That's too much. <laughs> that's right. It doesn't fit into the into all of the different uh, little tricks they have to learn. All right. So planets. I guess the first thing to say is that these are generally like pretty widely agreed upon um, in terms of the meanings and associations. Um, so if you're looking for concrete information that probably won't change, if you talk to astrologers, start with planets. The sun, usually everybody agrees on kind of what the sun means. Everybody kind of agrees on what the moon means. There's very little debate about those things, right? Um, each planet. They're, sorry, why do you think they like that? Like this is the point where we're like, no, nah, we don't need to argue about that. Because I think it's the first thing that we thought about. Okay. Like historically going back millennia, we looked up at the sun and we said like, what does the sun mean? It means this. And if you don't have a meaning for planets, then you can't build on the interpretations of anything. So I just think that that's like one of those things that was considered uh, initially along with the constellations. Like those mm -hmm. are the primary aspects of astrology in my historical research that I could find. Um, so I think the older the information and the longer those things have be, been considered, the more con consolidation of opinion there are around those topics. Ooh. So like 200 years from now, we're going to stop arguing about house systems. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know that to be true. I don't think things get more simple usually uh, unless there is, and I mean, again, so I'm not going to get into the history part, but there's been so much information lost over time through different cultures, poo-pooing astrology, and then other cultures being like, no, it's great. And then other cultures being like, and that same culture then changing its tune and hating it, right? So we, there's so much that has been gained and lost over time. Uh, but where we are right now is that we just keep adding information. We're not, we're never losing anything for the most part because we have these data systems. So I'm not sure if things will get more consolidated or simple for those reasons. Okay. Planets. 
the amount of time that each planet, quote unquote, spends in a sign of the zodiac depends on how long it takes for them to orbit the sun. Planets that are closer to the sun are going to orbit faster. Therefore, they're going to change signs more quickly than outer planets. That makes sense. Yeah. We're good there. Yeah. Yeah. That tracks. Okay. All right. So it's pretty nerdy and cool. So, you know, you're kind of making the like astrology, astronomy, and it's like, there are lots of overlap there. So I'm just going to say yes. Right. But like, if you look at the moon, the moon changes signs multiple times in a week. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, It takes one month for it to go through all of the different signs. Therefore, if we take one month and we look at 12, well, that's how long you divide those things. That's how long it spends in each sign. Mercury takes three months to rotate around the sun. Therefore, it spends longer in each sign, right? And Venus spends even longer in each sign. Venus takes seven months to go around the sun. And if we divide seven months by 12 signs, then that's how long it stays in each sign. So there is a lot of um, astronomy and astrology and understanding how the things connect. All right. What else do I want to say? Astrologers like to uh, group together these quote unquote planets into um, different sections. uh, And they are connected not only by proximity, but also how they're thought about um, and their interpretations. Okay. So there are, let me give you the groupings. There's personal planets. There's the sun and moon, the luminaries. There's the transpersonal planets. And then there's these social or generational planets. So personal planets, this is our Mercury, Venus, Mars. This represents our daily life and it changes often, right? So we have lots of ups and downs in our life. Sometimes, you know, work is really firing off and we got Mars and Virgo, right? Um, sometimes, um, the sun being in cancer makes you want to just take care of yourself and crawl up with a nice soft blanket and a candle and just live your best indoor life. Right. Um, all of these, uh, planets that rotate quickly are referred to as personal planets. I actually just looped in the moon, which is luminary. Um, but those also have a very personal connection to humans, personal planets and luminaries. They represent daily life. They transit and transit means moving, right? So they transit through signs very quickly. Mm-hmm. The transpersonal planets, this consists of Jupiter and Saturn are thought to show this kind of connection to the transitions of life, beginnings and ends. Um, so this is being positioned between the inner planets and the outer planets though in the middle, right? And they help us kind of navigate these gateways of our experiences of both the mundane, but also of the spiritual. So Jupiter is thought to be the great mm, benefic and Saturn is thought to be the great maleficent. And Jupiter is right all about expansion. And it's like here for you, here for your goals. It wants you to have more and more and more. And Saturn wants you to have less and less and less. And it wants you to have boundaries and it wants you to be stoic. Whereas (laughs) Jupiter is like do more, be an Epicurean type person, (laughs) right? Uh, So these two planets have a direct relationship to each other that that are also um, very contrasting. Okay. So those are transpersonal planets. Now going to the outermost planets, 
which are called our social or generational planets of Uranus or Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. Um, these often cannot be seen by the naked eye. Mm -hmm. uh, they move very slowly and a whole generation could experience the transit of a planet in a certain sign. So going down to my little chart here, I can see that Pluto takes 2,977 months, which means 248 years to go around the entire zodiac while circling the sun, right? So if I take 12 and divide that into that number, I would get a number like, I didn't calculate this, but you could do the math. Let's call it, what? what is that number? 12, 248 divided by 12. Let's do that math. At math. That's all right. That's what a calculator is for. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Pluto takes the longest to go around the sun and therefore it's going to spend the longest time. So a whole generation of people are going to experience Pluto being in one sign. And that's why they're called like generational planets. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's also this idea of um, whole societies experiencing Pluto. Right. Uh, we had recently the U.S.'s uh, Pluto return in Capricorn. And so that meant we had a experience of deaths, separation um, and endings with Capricorn being of like resources and like money. So if you see Pluto in Capricorn, you might see a depression. That's a common connection as an example. Okay. So these are again, personal planets, transpersonal planets, and what we call social or generational planets. And then of course we also have the luminaries. So these planetary energies also um, could be traced, you know, their stories and their naming conventions come after gods. These are both Greek and Roman gods. They're mixed up in there. Although I think most people understand that Greek and Roman gods are quite similar. Um, but they have these kind of shared uh, myths around the gods, okay. right? Mars being the god of war embodies the energies of Mars. Additionally, I would say that there's another way to think about the planets or to understand the planets. And that is with this kind of like energy model contrasted with this like myth-based model. So this energetic, and there's lots of different philosophies and ways of understanding and schools of thought around astrology, where it's not necessarily about the houses or interpretations of things differently, calculating charts differently. It's like how you think about these energies. Okay. So for an energy, uh, as I was just describing the difference between Jupiter and Saturn, we have the energy of Jupiter being one of expansion, more, multiply, get, get more, right? And then we have the energy of Saturn as being um, shrinking or pulling in or um, making less of, okay, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think the energetic model is a really easy way to help um, kind of simplify some of these thoughts um, because you can get quite complex with how you understand planets. All right, moving on. There are also, um, beyond this, these kind of understandings of planets, there's also planets are thought to have these like relationships with the zodiac, which we already talked about, right? Cancer has a relationship with the moon. 
And each of these uh, relationships could um, have been further identified as dignities. This is like advanced kind of stuff, but it's still like one-on-one kind of stuff, right? So yeah. if you've ever heard a, oh, that's the that planetary ruler, or mm-hmm. that's the planetary um, exile or detriment, uh, this is referred to, the, this whole idea is the idea of the planetary dignities or essential dignities of the planet. So there are four of them. Yeah. So there is the domicile domicile or the detriment, right? So domicile is like good. Detriment is not as good. There's also this exaltation and fall, right? So exaltation is like great, amplified. Fall is not as amplified. So to give you a definition here, the domicile or ruler of a planet in a specific sign expresses the truest nature of that planet, right? So if we have, uh, let's say, Jupiter in Sagittarius, well, that is right at home. That is the ruler of that sign. And when Jupiter is in Sagittarius, it is going to be able to express itself most fully. However, when it is not in its uh, ruler or domicile, it's in detriment or its fall, Uh, the planet would struggle to express itself and it will find unconventional ways to express itself. And there's going to be some action. So this isn't necessarily a a bad thing. Some people will say, oh no, in my natal chart, I have uh, Saturn in Sagittarius. And that's a bad thing. That's a hard angle. That's a negative thing because it's not in its domicile. And that's not true, right? It's just talking about the planet is going to express itself differently in that sign. Um, And if it isn't detriment, then it would be, you know, it'd find a really hard way to express its kind of like expansion energy. So it may find kind of interesting ways to express that energy. Uh, And it could, um, you know, but there certainly is going to be action. The exaltation, similar to the domicile or ruler, is where the planet is not just at home, but it is like amplified. And then the contrast of that is when it's in in its fall. So not only is it not comfortable, but it really creates challenge. And uh, there's kind of like some guaranteed inaction where you're going to find a lot of lessons. You're going to find a lot of wisdom. Uh, But there could be like manipulation, you know, or kind of... um, just challenge, right? Involved. And maybe the fall is maybe the most negative version because there's not action. I guess it depends on how you feel about action. Uh, But there is, yeah. So the planets and how they relate to the signs have these uh, essential dignity relationships where we are seeing it either be fully expressed or amplified or challenged or really challenged, if that makes sense. Yeah. So for like the exaltation in the fall, is that determined by the degree to which it's in an opposing sign or how like, yeah. So it's not about, it's not about um, the placements in contrast to other things. It's literally just about this planet is connected to this sign mm-hmm. and it complements or amplifies that sign. Okay. And when it is in this other sign, it's just like the energy of that sign and the energy of that planet are just so contrast right. that it creates an issue. So let's look okay. at my little chart that I have here. Um, so I have listed, again, we're going to leave the, link the Love chart. Uh, we have planets, how long they take to orbit the sun in both months and in years, um, what grouping they fall into, whether it's this personal, social, transpersonal, luminary, um, 
their energy based on that energetic model and what their ruler is and what their exaltation is, what their exile and what their fall is. Okay. So let's look at, let's look at Jupiter since I've been talking about friendly Jupiter who wants the best for you and wants more and more and more. So the grouping, this is a social planet. This is a planet of expansion, as I said, rather than contraction like Saturn. And it's ruled by Sagittarius, as I've said, but it is exalted in Cancer. So when Jupiter gets into Cancer, it is amplified. More, 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 more (laughs) self-care, more love and yeah, sweetness. And then um, when we have uh, Jupiter in Gemini, that's when it is not comfortable and there's something's going to happen, right? There's going to be something um, that's some action that's going to be expressed in a like unconventional way that energy. And then when it's in Capricorn, uh, there's gonna be some lessons and it might get a little sinister. I love that. I love that you laid this out this way because this is how my brain works too. So like someone could have written that all in a paragraph and I'd have been like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when I'm talking about it, I'm like, uh, are these words helping or hurting? Yeah. Let me, let me reference the chart. Yeah. So helpful. So maybe we need to just ask everybody to pull up the show notes and follow along. <laughs> Do that. If you were okay. listening to this and you got lost, go back, pull up the show notes, start over. Yeah. Review the <laughs> review the charts. Okay. We are one hour in. I'm going to keep moving. So we, we were this. just in uh, Zodiac, houses, planets. Now we're going into placements. Placements. Um, when I say placement, I'm referring to the position of a planet, asteroid, luminary, or quote unquote point of interest in the sky as it relates to other things, right? So um, when a placement is described in a chart, right, we would say, oh, you have Saturn in Aquarius at 12 degrees. That's the placement, mm-hmm. right? However, there are these things called mundane angles, or we call them intersections. And this is specifically of the birth chart. astrology goes far beyond, obviously, just natal charts and birth charts. There's lots of reasons and uses of astrology, but we do have some interesting details and placements in a birth chart because it's about a point in time of an individual. So going into these points of interest, we have mundane angles or intersections. We also have lunar nodes. I'm sure you've heard of that. I'm going to talk about those two things because these are the most commonly described things. So when I'm saying mundane angles, I'm talking about the ascendant, descendant, the midheaven, and the immune, immune coli. People just say IC and MC, because that's a Latin word. And it's real hard to say for Love me. It. So we have the ascendant or the rising, we have the descendant, we have the MC and the IC. If we create a horizontal axis through the center of someone's birth chart. This is going to be the easternmost point in the sky. Or if you're looking at a chart, it's going to be the thing on the far left, right? Okay. And it is your ascendant. And what it is describing is this point on the horizon at your time of birth. It is like the point of where the sky meets the ground. And it's the exact time of your birth, right? Because things are going to move potentially very quickly through those different signs and change often. So this is why you need your birth time, birth time in order to find your rising. Okay. Okay. And like literally like, right. Um, my ascendant is Scorpio. 
right? So when I was born, if you looked out, if you went outside to the sky and you looked in the easternmost point, you would have seen the constellation of the scorpion, right? The Scorpio constellation, the little scorpion image. The descendants, the other side, the westernmost point, and it is, again, creating this horizontal axis. Okay. From the, if you took a completely perpendicular angle here and drew another line, making a perfect cross T, uh, intersecting this would be the vertical axis. At the very top, we have the midheaven. And at the very bottom, we have the IC. All right. Okay. So that's how you create those angles. What do they mean, Michelle? Well, that's a great right. question. The <laughs> ascendant represents how you project yourself, the mask you wear, the skills you have, the talents you have, the strategies that you're going to adopt to navigate your life. That's often the rising sign. And we talk about these points of interest in their zodiacal placement in their sign. So I have a, I'm Scorpio rising, right? Mm-hmm. The rising. descendant. Yeah. What is that? Leo rising, you know, you're Leo rising, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, with that, it is talking about your beautiful hair. <laughs> Cause How you project I get that through life is my charm. That's it. That's, <laughs> That's right. It. <laughs> I mean, Right. These strategies that you adopt charm people's pants off. I love it. When you shine, that's how you adopt. I love it. Okay. So the descendant is the relationship is the thing that you're seeking in relationships with others. Do you know what your descendant is? I don't. And watch me immediately pull up one of my 18 astrological. (laughs) Okay. So we have the, the ascendant descendant. The ascendant is often called rising. We don't really call falling the descendant. I don't know. The MC or midheaven is a person's public life, uh, maybe the standing career, and probably more importantly, it describes the purpose in life. I've also heard this described as the thing that you're going towards in your life, whereas the IC is what you have brought into the this world naturally. So like these are your ancestors, your family roots, your home, your foundation. Good on that. Yeah, I was ascendant, trying to figure out descendant. my descendant, but that that's not even in here. It has ascendant and midheaven. It has node and Chiron, but that, those aren't yeah. the same things. We're going to talk about that. It's just, it's literally the opposite. So if you go directly across from your Leo, let me figure this out. So if I go six steps, one, two, three, well, I'm not doing that. I'll calculate this later. All right, we're gonna run out of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna do yeah, a whole we're gonna do a whole whole rundown of your stuff. But Perfect. these are points of interest that these are not planets. These are not houses. These are not mm-hmm. signs. These are like points of interest that we have identified. Okay. Another point of interest is going to be our lunar nodes. Have you heard of your like south node and north node? Yes. Uh, well, I've, I've heard literally of north had I did north know node. Yeah. Yeah, there's a south node. Yeah. yeah. And they're represented in your chart with these little like um horseshoes that are like upside down or Ooh. right side up. Yeah, yeah. I love a good horseshoe. I had no clue what a lunar node was forever. I knew what it meant and I knew its importance, but I had no idea. It's literally like if the sun it has, if you could draw the representation of the sun's rotation around the earth, that's not how it works, but the visual movement of the sun around the earth mm-hmm. and the visual movement of the moon as it goes around the earth, the intersection of those things at the time of your birth is your lunar nodes. So again, this is another thing that you're going to need if you have like, you need your time of birth to be able to calculate accurately your South and North node. Interesting. Okay. 
Okay. So, and I also have this really nice little diagram that I found that I'll include in the notes as well that shows that inner, um, the intersection between the sun's path and the moon's path. Yeah. No, and that they meet up twice, is right? Perfect. Yeah. That Isn't picture makes a lot of sense. Love it. Okay. So the, the North node is these, um, is what you're reaching towards the, the North node and, and South node I've heard is like a dragon and the North node is what you're reaching for. And like, this is your fullest potential. And the South node is the things that you need to release, leave behind. You already brought that into this world. That's a part of your maybe karma that you're having to let go of. If you believe in karma, um, it's going to depict often, um, energies and emotions, the relationships that you've had in your past and potentially in your past life. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm following along. Love it. Where's your North node? Do you know that one? Um, it says I'm in Capricorn. It's one of my only, <gasps> well, actually I have, I have a couple of Capricorn placements um, in my chart, but yeah. Love that. Love that. So as you climb that hill, as you continue to focus on stability and monetary gain and work ethic, then you're reaching and you're manifesting your fullest potential. So this makes so sense, so much sense around like your desire for consistency, because that's part of your North node vibes. Must have, must have. Do not know how to operate otherwise. You are, no, but I mean, so like, but this is amazing, right? I don't know if the younger version of you had this track or found value in those kinds of qualities? Is that something that you found over time? I think it's, yeah, I think it's something I've, because I didn't grow up with that. And so something I put a lot of value in is like consistency and stability. Yeah. Yeah. Well then you are living your best life. Astrology says, okay. So (laughs) those are, those are additional placements, um, that one could have where, uh, we would see signs, right? So all of these, you know, you don't say like, oh, I have Mars on my North node. You don't say that, right? You would say, I have, um, whatever, I have Aries on my North node. So you refer to these placements in their zodiacal placement. Cool. Got it. I right. I feel like I'm, I'm a baby astrologer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just knowing like what the fuck a lunar node is, is like, right. yeah. yeah, you're you're beyond where I was two weeks ago. So there's that. Um, (laughs) Okay. So aspects for me are the thing that I have pushed off and will continue to push off until I feel super comfortable with other (laughs) topics, because this literally is just another layer of this astrological onion. Yes. And I have heard of these two, and th- this is the part in those apps that I skip over. Yep. Because I'm like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even know what to do, do with this information. Skip over it. <laughs> you shouldn't do anything with it. Um, and I would say that until everything else makes total sense and you can say, oh, you have the sun in the first house of Aries and you know what the fuck that means. Like, mm-hmm. until you know what that means, like, don't move forward. Right. All right. So, however, um, just to hold space for this idea so that I think this is still 101 in my opinion, if like, maybe this is the final part of (laughs) this is when you get to the end of your 101 class, but, um, these aspects describe the relationships between the planets and the points of interest, right? So it could say, uh, we can look at how, where is the placement of Saturn and Jupiter? We could say, where is the placement of Saturn in relationship to your North node? What is the aspect of those two planets? Aspects are angles. This is where geometry, people talk about geometry. 
I'm like, it's not really that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. Don't talk about (laughs) aspects and the degrees. Just talk about them. Like what shape are they making? Are they making a square shape? Are they making a triangle shape? Are they on top of each other? Right. Don't make it complicated. Um, Okay. So these are certainly the degrees of influence um, are, you know, what we call these aspects. There are more than these five primary that we're going over. Uh, but again, because we're in a 101, we're going to keep it to just these five aspects. There are more. Yes, there are more. Can you, uh, can you believe it? There's like uh, five more. I'm not sure. Oh my gosh. So let's the general, these are the generally used referred to, you've heard this before aspects of mm-hmm. relationships of planets and positions. So conjunction, this is when there's zero bit of an angle and maybe like one degree, two degrees. I don't remember exactly where the drop drop off off is here but they would be often like within 30 degrees of each other i believe is i'll have to double check that see i don't know i'm gonna make a little note question mark what is where does it not become uh, conjunct okay so this is when we're combining the energies so we know we've been talking about um mars mars has this energizing speed up projection energy right Mm -hmm. and when uh and the moon is described as uh, maybe unseen, emotional, maternal past influences. When we have a conjunction of (laughs) Mars and the moon, we are combining those energies. So we're getting maybe an aggressive emotion, aggressive, uh, you know, maybe conflict with your mom. I don't know. Broad strokes. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. We're combining Mm -hmm. those energies. Got it. When we have opposition, which is the opposite, then this is going to create tension. But that tension is not necessarily a bad thing, right? It could lead to empathy or it could lead to insecurity, but it's going to create some tension. Okay. So whereas we might be combining energies with Mars and the moon, if we contrasted those, that would be way more dramatic, Mm -hmm. right? Where you could just be like, giving your emotions more space and focusing on your emotions more because Mars is conjunct your moon. And that becomes a focus that you're putting energy towards. Mm -hmm. If they are opposed, maybe that's when we actually have a fight with our mom. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Squaring, uh, let's say that's 90 degrees, right? Uh, Making Mm -hmm. a little square angle. Um, This creates tension, which could lead to action or learning. So again, this is a quote unquote negative angle because it's not supporting it. The others uh, support, right? Maybe okay. the most negative angles is going to be this opposition and the square. How do we contrast those two things? Well, when we have tension with opposition, it could lead to empathy, but it could also lead to insecurity. When we have, it is a f- far more friendly angle, uh, the square position is, right? Because this is going to lead to action or learning. Mm-hmm. Then we have trine and sextile. So altogether, it's com- it's our conjunction, opposition, square, trine, triangle, and sextile, which is this pretty little star blip. Mm-hmm. All right. So the trine supports other energies and relieves the fr- frictions, right? So they're going to not only combine them, but it's going to support each other. Maybe not as much as a conjunction would, but it's a positive angle. Okay. The sextile being 60 degrees, the trine being 120, this is also going to support these energies and can be thought of creating new opportunities. Do I know what the fuck that means? No, I don't. (laughs) We're not there yet. (laughs) 
we're not there yet, but I can at least tell you what it means because right. I wrote it down on a little chart. Okay. So I have gone through the zodiac, the houses, the planets, placements, and these little points of interest and aspects. I'm going to, that's all of our like, you know, charts and variables that we're going to touch on. Are there other asteroids like Chiron? Are there other points of interest? Absolutely. But we're going to put a pen in that and say that's 201. Right. Right. No, because I, I think that, that's the important. About, yeah, that's the important thing. Yeah, you have to you have to create boundaries when you're trying to understand a system. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't learn to drive a car and build a car at the same time, right? right. So, like, we're going to create and say, "Hey, these are the things we're looking at. We're going to look at houses. We're going to look at planetary placements. We're going to look at these points of interest. We're going to look at the house systems as they relate to constellations. We're going to choose a really easy house system to look at, right?" Uh, and so on. Love it. Okay. I feel like that was all very like digestible. Like my brain is like, oh, that was some dots you hadn't connected before. This makes a little bit more sense now. Okay. Okay. What was an aha for you? What was the biggest aha? Um, I think one, and I now I go back to the conversations that we had with um, Joseph, the astrologer, mm-hmm. and I was looking at my natal chart and I'm trying to follow him along. It, it was that not all systems, the houses and the zodiacs line up. Mm-hmm. So I'm like looking at these things and trying to find them. And I'm like, I don't know where the first house is because I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking yeah. at. Like, I don't know what I'm looking at. So I yeah. I think understanding why people use whole sign now makes a lot more sense because that would be just another layer that my brain would not know how to hold additional space for. Um, I think it's easier to consolidate those two things mentally for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the math math's better that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, can, you know, can we simplify these variables until we're ready to digest a more mm-hmm. complex layer of the onion? Cool. All right. Well, that's going to be our end of our air um, section. Now we're going to go into fire. In this section, right, I'm going to talk about just quickly the different types of astrology or uses of astrology. And then I'd love to just give some kind of conversational suggestions, in my opinion, of how to evaluate astrologers for your own reading. Um, And that actually kind of talking about how astrologers, um, how to find astrologer and how to think about astrology uh, from the um, maybe consumer standpoint I had not really thought about that until I was talking about it with a friend of mine. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, there really is a lot of nuance there of like how to choose the right astrologer or what is the benefit or detriment of choosing a different astrologer. So I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So there are, uh, you know, I'm going to give broad strokes again, kind of the most basic understandings of different types. When we talk about astrology, everybody is so concentrated on like personal natal astrology because that's what they hear right? They often mm-hmm. hear like, I'm a Scorpio, right? I'm a Scorpio rising. And uh, they may hear, I have Mars in my 10th house, right? They could hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the amount of time somebody's just talking about general transits, like, hey, everybody, Mars just moved into Virgo. We're all going to potentially feel this is, you know, looking at current transits. That's not about personal astrology, right? I mean, it's going to relate to that, but it's different. So other than these personal natal charts, uh, we could look at different types of electional, mundane, 
maybe analysis of patterns and cycles or this historical astrology. We could look at medical astrology and relational astrology. Those are the ones I'm going to talk about. And the first one is this Hayuri. Hayuri. It looks. I would have said horary. Horary. I don't know. I I tried to get the definition, like or the pronunciation rather, (laughs) off of Google, and it still didn't help. Um, But it's yeah, H O R A R Y. Um, H O R. A-R-Y. Yeah, I don't know. Um, So this is one of the earliest forms of astrology. What? It didn't start with personal astrology? No, girl. That was like a much, much later invention. Um, It's, you know, this form of astrology is still very much practiced today. And what does it do? Well, it looks to answer a question. It looks to create uh, an answer that is either positive or negative, but also provide like the influences and insights that a querent should consider on the topic. This is, um, it would analyze the stars and the, you know, all of the other variables uh, at the time that the question was being presented. So it takes a snapshot, you know, with the natal astrology, it takes a snapshot when you're born astrologers for this form are going to take a snapshot when you ask the question and then look at all of the different transits that are happening and give you an answer. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you should do that. Maybe no, don't do this and consider all of these other things. Okay. Whereas electional astrology is, doesn't seek to give you a yes or no, mm-hmm. but rather it's trying to tell you the best time for something to take place. Right? So should I marry John? Uh, the Hari Hari? Uh, astrology <laughs> is going to tell you yes or no, or some things to consider. Whereas electional will tell you when to marry them. Like you're having a winter wedding. That's, that's the yeah. time to do it. Exactly. Other things for electional astrology could be, you know, looking at the fortuitous, I can't say that word, fortuitous times mm-hmm. around things like weddings, proposals, maybe like breaking ground on construction, um, mm-hmm. starting a business, etc. starting a podcast. We should look at uh, our, um, electional astrology for that, for when yeah. we started our podcast. That would be fun. I'm going to sneeze. Can I sneeze? Go Make for it. Mute. I think you should just sneeze off mute. I think we should all just experience I, that. I sneezed so loud <laughs> that my sound bowls rang. <laughs> okay. That was the cute. vibrations are coming off of you at such high magnitude <laughs> right now. Your frequency is so high. <laughs> Oh man. All right. So uh elect we have these Ari. Someone someone smarter than us is gonna know that and I hope that they're laughing <laughs> their asses off right now. <laughs> uh, at least I'm not trying to present it like, oh, this is totally yeah. how you say it. That's this. one of okay. those words you like read 18 times, you've never said out loud, and the first yeah. time you go to talk to, about it to someone, you're like, Yeah. Oh shit, I have to say it out loud. Okay, so um, electional, uh, let's talk about mundane. So mundane astrology is talking and trying to predict or create some um, correlations between major world events. So this, you know, in this form, we would analyze historical cycles and patterns and try to identify what may come in the future, right? So I'm going to give you an example. I don't know that this is totally perfect, but as an example, when I was looking up some of the mundane astrology, um, we had recently around COVID time and a um, Saturn Pluto conjunction, Saturn being boundaries, rules, Pluto being ending of things like fucking table flipper, 
right? Mm-hmm. The last time this happened was in 1982. And this marked the emergence of HIV and AIDS epidemic in the Western world. Mm. The same thing happened in 2020. And this has happened to coincide with the COVID pandemic. Interesting. Isn't that so interesting? Yeah. Mm. So while the conjunction hasn't historically always been connected with like this health-centered crisis, um, there's generally unrest when these two planets um, come into a conjunction. There's a very popular book by this super academic person, Richard uh, Tarnas, and he wrote this book, Cosmos and Psyche. Um, and this is very, very popular in like all of the astrology world. This is like one of the books that everybody reads when they first get into it. The book is massive and it has an academic tone. Um, but this guy spent like 10 years researching and writing this, talking about a lot of these kind of mundane, um, astrology topics and predictions and how these kind of like how the cosmos relates to us and relates to, uh, kind of history. Very interesting. So, okay, yeah. so medical would be next, and this is just with the goal of helping to identify potential points of um, of challenge that someone may experience in their health. It's not going to give you and pinpoint like, oh, you're going to sprain your ankle in June of 2020. That's not going to do that, right? It's mm-hmm. going to say though, you could be experiencing some ankle problems, so you should take care of your ankle. Interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. and then yet another. Uh, way astrology is used is relational, of course, right? Everything has to go back to just, (laughs) just talking about love and and sex, right? Um, So there's two types that two ways maybe to uh, analyze a relationship. And this could be not just, you know, a romantic relationship, it could also be a partnership, could be, you know, you and your boss's connection, it could be you and your child's connection. So relationships are more than sex, Michelle, get over it. Okay, sorry. That's clearly where my mind went. It doesn't help that it looks to be called synastry. <laughs> so nasty. <laughs> that does not help at all. Okay, Anyways. yeah. So the first type is a synastry. <laughs> synastry. <laughs> Got it. Uh, the synastry type, which is it interprets, it has an interpretation where you place one chart on top of each other on the other. Right. Mm-hmm. So one chart on top of the other, and it's going to look at the aspects of the planets and of course the houses and the Zodiac. And it's going to try to predict, you know, strengths and weaknesses of this relationship. So it's looking at a lot of aspects. Oof. We don't want to do that. Don't ask me anytime soon to do a synastry reading. Okay. I will be asking you in the next like month. Can you, so. I need like a year, but that's okay. All right. The next system would be a composite. So instead of looking at these aspects, mm-hmm. it actually, I mean, still is kind of like laying one on top of the other to find the midway point between them. And then that midway point is analyzed. And when you that's say composite. midway point, do you mean that horizontal line or do you mean? Or uh, no, I mean like, okay. So in a circle, um, mm-hmm. because that's how the stars move and they actually move, um, Wittershins or counterclockwise. Oh, um, I don't know if I knew that. Okay. Yeah. Um, they are going to, am I saying that wrong? I don't know. I'm questioning everything now. <laughs> let's just deduct, redact that. Okay. So, but uh, let's say we're looking at your Mars and my Mars. Mm-hmm. We're going to find the halfway point going around the Zodiac and find where that placement is. And then that's going to be our relational composite placement. Okay. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, yeah. As much sense as all this can make without like the practical application of us like, yeah. All right. Let's do it. Let's do the thing. Yeah. It's going to make as much sense as it can while just talking about things. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm okay, a hands-on cool. learner. So, yeah. 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 And, and honestly, that's like the fun thing is like when you start to be like, okay, like I logically understand these topics. Now let me prove to myself I do or don't by trying to calculate some things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and, and that's, I think generally whenever so many people are being introduced to astrology, there's always this advice that like, just think about your own chart, right? Don't think about like mundane astrology or electional astrology, just focus on natal personal astrology because you know yourself better than you know anyone else. Right. Um, And so you can make these personal connections for yourself. Once you have understood how to read your own chart, then you can start thinking about how other people are presenting in their charts. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Just be selfish at first when you're learning. Yeah. That's how all learning should be. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So those are all the uses. So we have this personal natal chart. We have this horary. We have this electional mundane. And then we also have medical and relational. Those are all just examples. Of course, there's more examples, but those are the broad strokes one on ones I can find. All right. So finally, you know, we're all, you're doing so good, Danny. You're staying so engaged. Here. It's only been an hour and 35 minutes. <laughs> it, this is perfect. This is okay. This is great. Okay. So last thing I'm going to leave with is uh, how to find an astrologer mm-hmm. and like things to expect when you find an astrologer to do a reading for you. Generally, I mean, readings can really vary widely in price from mm-hmm. free if you have people who are trying to learn astrology, um, to $300. Like it's not uncommon Mm -hmm. for a, um, just straight up natal chart interpretation to be that amount of money, because often these people are spending just hours calculating this information. So it's not at all. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, too, and how long did it take them to understand all of these layers of astrology? Like I would, I mean, I guess there is an upper end of what I would pay, but I think there's a lot of, it takes a lot of time. So uh, the first thing that I would say you should consider when trying to find the right astrologer is just admit your level of understanding, mm-hmm. right? And with that in mind, is it better for you to have an accurate reading, like the best, most accurate reading from the most advanced, most experienced, highly respected astrologer that you won't understand what they're saying, mm-hmm. but you trust what they say to be true? Or... Is it more valuable for you to be able to follow along with what someone's saying? Yeah. Yeah. Because it is very unlikely that you're going to find a advanced guru, astrologer, who's going to be able to dumb it down to your level. Mm -hmm. In my experience, that's what I found. Yeah. This reminds me so much. I had a calculus teacher once upon a time. Again, your girl's really bad at math. I don't know how I ended up in this class. It was a bad life decision. Um, And so I struggled in his class, not just because it was calculus, because I was like, who, what is this guy teaching? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. And then I found out that his degree was in applied mathematics, meaning the literal application of the mathematics. He never anticipated or wanted to be 
a teacher of mathematics. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. he he could not explain the concepts in a way to teach me them, but he was fucking brilliant. Right. But he could not yeah. explain it to me. And also like you wouldn't generally expect somebody who has that type of maturity and who has that many years in the space to then also hold class for you. Right. Cause that's what right. we're talking about. Like they would have to explain, well, here's what this planet does and here's what that planet does. But with all that being said, if you are trying to maybe get a reading from someone who is a guru and you're okay with the idea that you will not be able to follow along and you will find value in following up on those ideas later and Mm -hmm. like learning something that new, then it's great. And that makes total sense. But if it's going to frustrate you because you don't know what they're talking about, then that's probably not a good use of money. Mm -hmm. Um, What I would say too, is like generally um, and the different modes of delivery, right? You can do it in person, virtual, uh, recorded, or even like typed out interpretation. Um, Most generally they're going to give you notes or allow you to record the session so that you can review it. So for me, I had um, the first natal chart reading that I had was with a woman who reads um, not only, obviously, everything that we're talking about here, and I had no idea half of the time she was talking about things, (laughs) um, but she also does interpretations around all of the asteroids. And so she started talking about Sirius, and she started talking about Demeter. I'm like, what do you mean? What? What is happening? What, what, I've never what even realm like, I thought, of, yeah. of mythology have we entered? What are we doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. And she's like, you should just know that your mother struggled with alcohol. I was like, oh, she did. You're right. And so she was amazing and accurate and perfect. And I just had no fucking clue what she was talking about. So, <laughs> but I had a recording of it and listening back on it. And as I, you know, continue to try to expand my knowledge base, it was actually great. It was like a great resource that piqued my curiosity, gave me a reference point, and it was valuable. But for other people, it would probably be frustrating. Mm -hmm. The other thing to consider other than your level of understanding is your personality, right? Are you somebody that likes to have it given to you straight? Are you somebody that is going to need some movement and flexibility in the interpretation to allow for your natural expression of free will? Um, You know, what is your, how would you want someone to give you advice? And let's find an astrologer that reflects that style, right? Um, Joseph that we talked about at the Summer Magic Fest that we were connecting with, lovely, super fun guy, yeah. is not not going to be so vague with his like interpretations of things that you don't know what it means just because he's trying to avoid saying something maybe quote-unquote negative or quote-unquote scary, right? Like mm-hmm. he's okay to say those things. For me, that's, that's, that's what I need, right? I need somebody to be like, okay. Here's what could happen, uh, and here's what to consider. Uh, not there's a wild card in right. this area, which could you know, like stop being vague. I would rather you tell me bad news than vague news. So personality, okay. Finally, again, modes of delivery. Uh, you could have an in-person reading. You could have a virtual Zoom reading, and you could potentially uh, have somebody just record their them talking about their interpretation without you being there or type it up. <clears throat> Um, recordings, 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 you should always be able to get access to the recordings or some type of notes. Generally, they're going to give you, um, copies of charts and make notes on your charts, um, Mm -hmm. or something akin to that. Um, but you should not expect to leave empty handed, uh, nor should you expect to 
not be able to somehow record the information for future reference. So that's it. Find an astrologer. You did the whole thing. Look at you go. I feel like you just ran a marathon. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was a short, short marathon and you know, you just make it, make it all so simple and fun. So I'm sure it was more fun for me than for you, but. No, I mean that, that connected a lot of dots for me that like I could read 18 books about astrology, but I think I was probably only absorbing. I think, I think if I'm being kind to myself, maybe 20 to 25% of the knowledge. So this right. helped to like synopsize a lot of ideas together. And it's so helpful just to be able to be like, Hey, wait, what does that mean? Or, Hey, this is a question that popped up. Do I have to read five more chapters to get the answer <laughs> to that question? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even from our conversation today, which I think is also another useful way of learning is like interacting about these topics. You prove to yourself what you do and don't know. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know how many degrees something could be considered in conjunction with another body. Thing. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, great. I'm going to go look that up and figure it out. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, this has been what wonderful. Next, tell us. Well, tell next us. we are going to be covering the topics of water and earth. So with water, we're going to go over all of my really fun history. I love good history, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to like occult things. So I'm excited to share that. And then I'm also going to, along with the history, I'm going to share like the thought leaders in that space because it's just you know, we had a lot to cover today. So I'll cover some books that I would recommend for people or maybe popular go-to books. Mm-hmm. And then in the earth topics, um, I want to uh, probably primarily focus on some real life examples. So I think that's when we could go into some of our chart um, analysis and kind of share some of our chart stuff. Her eyebrows okay. just went up. Not that anybody else can see, but her wonderfully <laughs> uh, bladed eyebrows just... Yeah. They look so good. Yeah. That's what um, I should have put on yeah, the purchases so- for my birthday. I should have been like, oh, yeah. I purchased eyebrows for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> they look amazing. It's such a good investment. Um, but yeah, so I want to go over just kind of like the applications of these things and why would you uh, like, why even care about astrology and how would you mm-hmm. interact? You know, how would you use this to inform some of your decisions in life? And then I think also how to deal with, because right, Earth is like, reality, integration, but also challenges. Like mm-hmm. what is the argument against astrology? How could you potentially um, not defend, but maybe give a clarity as to how people like the philosophy of like how people think of astrology yeah. um, and maybe, you know, explain that to your partner or your aunt who thinks you're crazy for talking about <laughs> Mars being in Gatorade, you know? Um, right. Yeah. So we'll do that. in the microwave again. <laughs> Catering <laughs> in the microwave. I love it. All right. Well, I am super pumped. So one, thank you for like synopsizing all this information. I think those charts, if we can get them posted in the show notes, are going to be yeah. unbelievably helpful for people to reference and kind of wrap their mind around a topic that has so many different variables and slices to it. So that is fantastic. But I am so pumped to get into the next section of this and feel like by the end of it, I might be able to call myself an, a beginner. Maybe, maybe it's too soon. Maybe it's too soon to say that. <laughs> I think no. I I think you're definitely. Uh, yeah. Right. So I don't know where where lines get drawn, but um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to call myself a beginner. Also, that is a solid lie. 
you're you're an intermediary at, at I need worst. I need more stages. I need like <laughs> a neophyte, a dabbler, <laughs> a, a person of interest. I don't know. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, we will touch back shortly um and we'll be coming back with part two of this of of kind of rounding out all of those topics but in the meantime everybody blessed be and be well bye witches bye okay